This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, I'm so glad to see you here this morning. God bless all of you. Glad you made it out here. If you need a Bible, our ushers would get you the Word of God. We are on our second week here on the Holy Spirit, and so we'll begin in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36. Ezekiel 36, and as I'll give you a little bit of time to get there, you know, we live in a nation that spiritually it seems like it's on a decline, but even within the church there's things that seem like they're in a decline, and it's almost like the church has looked more to human performance and human eloquence and human methods than the things of God. And in 2 Timothy 3, 5, the Apostle Paul said, you take on the form of Christian, but the power is denied. And so this is one of the reasons we speak here on the Holy Spirit, is because I wonder if the power we deny is not that of the Holy Spirit, that the resources of the church and the resources of believers is all found in the Holy Spirit. So I want to give you biblical truths again today. So we are here in the book of Ezekiel. Now, when you get to Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel is called the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. The Lord, the Lord graced Ezekiel with incredible insight on the Holy Spirit. So we begin here, chapter 36 and verse 24. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all the countries, and I will bring you into your own land. Now, this is what the Lord said. This is what I'm going to do. And on top of you bringing you into your own land, he says in verse 25, then I will sprinkle clean or poor, uh, pure water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Now, this is cross-referenced twice back into Hebrews 9, 13, and then again Hebrews 10, verse 22. And it all points to the Lord Jesus. And through his blood, through the washing there, we get cleansed. And so he's talking about the, the first step in order of restoration. What I gotta do. Now, it's interesting, every time that you read in verse 25, 26, and 27, note how many times it'll use the word I. So this is what Father God's saying, I'm gonna do. I, I will do this. He goes on to say in verse 26, I, I will give you a new heart, one that's pliable, one that's teachable, the very opposite of a hard heart. And then he goes on to say, and I'll put a new spirit within you, the transformation of the will and the spirit, which is also necessary in the area of renewal. So he said, I'm gonna put a new spirit within you and I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh, tender and responsive. Verse 27, I will put my spirit within you and cause. Now I wanna just stop here and I will cause. I, I will make it possible. I will put my spirit, now notice where he says, within us, 
The Holy Spirit does an inside work within every one of us when we allow him. And, and look at the purpose here. He will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will walk and you will keep your judgments and do them. And so he's saying here, it's by the Holy Spirit that, that he makes it possible for this to happen, for me and you to obey the word of God, to obey God's statutes, to obey God's commandments. So we go back to this age old dilemma with mankind. I wanna do what's right. I wanna obey God. But I find myself where I can't do it on my own. And so the prophet Ezekiel, he talks about here, here's what you need. You need the Holy Spirit. You need special assistance. You need special help. And so I think, man, that's me. I, I welcome this. So we see something way, way back in the Old Testament that was prophesied about. Now turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. And we'll be in the book of Acts the rest of this morning. And I, I pray that the eyes of your understanding are open. That you allow the scriptures to, to teach you and guide you. So here in Acts chapter 8. We begin in verse number 4. Acts 8 verse 4. Therefore those who were scattered. Literally meaning those who were persecuted in Jerusalem. They went everywhere preaching the word. So just because they were persecuted. They didn't stop preaching the word. I believe this is a very important little nugget for us to get right now. The closer we get to the second coming of Jesus, the more and more Christians are going to be persecuted. Just hang on to the word, okay? It's amazing to me that the emphasis back then was the word of God. So what would happen if we could just continue to emphasize the word of God? So they preached the word of God, verse five. Then Philip, who was a non-apostle, he went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ to him. What did he preach to him? He preached Jesus to him. And if you'll notice, who did he preach it to? The Samaritans. Now, if you've never studied this, the, the, the Samaritans were hated by the Jews. But it's interesting here that even though the Jews may have hated the Samaritans, God didn't. That God loves, not just the little children of the world, but God loves the people of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight. And so God's desire even here was to preach to the Samaritans. Verse six. And the multitudes with one accord, they heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And that's good news. Can I tell you something? I believe God still has a desire to do these things. I really do. So we're fast forward, and I'll begin to paraphrase a little bit for time's sake. Verse 12 
but when they believed Philip. Now, when you see the word, they believed Philip, this literally means they got born again. They believed. And what was Philip preaching? He was preaching Jesus. So they believed uh, Philip as he preached the things concerning to the kingdom of God. And the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women, were baptized. They were water baptized. They were saved and they were water baptized. Praise the Lord. God still does those things. Verse 13, then Simon himself also believed. Now, I got to fill in the blank right here. This guy named Simon, he was better known as Simon the Sorcerer or Simon who was heavily involved in witchcraft. Now, it's interesting that it says, and Simon himself believed. So this is great. This is a great truth for us. Understand the Lord Jesus saves people that are in witchcraft and sorcery. He, he looks to that. He looks to save human beings. And, and I highlight this because sometimes we have the thought, could God save someone like that? God can save anybody. God can say, and it's incredible to me that this guy who was known as Simon the sorcerer, he hears the preaching of the word of God and something happened within him that says, I need to get saved. So Simon himself believed and he was baptized, water baptized, and he continued with Philip in amaze seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. Now, when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that the Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Now, this, this is a truth you got to get here. The Samaritans were the first non-Jews to receive the gospel. They got saved. They got born again. Now, the reason I got to highlight this to you, the main scripture text in all of Acts is Acts 1.8. Remember the Lord Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power for what? To be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the utter end parts of the earth. So guess what you just saw there? You saw the work of the Holy Spirit begin to take place. And the preaching of the gospel was to all people, was to every person. We never can stop evangelizing, guys. We must have a heart to see the sinner born again. You know, the Lord Jesus said that his disciples were said that these guys are preaching in your name. Do you want us to make them stop? And the Lord Jesus said, no. No, if they're preaching in my name, they're for us. And the reason I want to highlight this is There's a lot of churches in our city. And it doesn't matter if we're Lutheran, Presbyterian, Baptist, Church of Christ, Catholic, Pentecostal, unPentecostal. When people are being preached to in the name of Jesus and getting born again, we ought to celebrate that. Amen. We ought to celebrate that. That they're getting born. This is the ultimate that people get born again and get saved. And I shared this in the first service. That at the Men of Iron this year, on Thursday night, Friday night, 
Thursday night, Friday morning, and Friday night, right, right here there were four men that just sat in every surface. And the praise and worship would start. And I mean, you know, there's men clapping and jumping and bouncing around. And these guys, every service did just this in every one of the services. They never sang, they never clapped, never raised their hands. And I would look and I'd think, what's up with these guys? Well, after the Friday night service, I went over and I said, hey, it's so good to have you guys here. And I said, where are you from? And they said, we're from Lubbock. I said, what church do you go to? And they said, such and such Catholic church. And I said, is this your first year at the Men of Ireland? And they said, no, this is our second. And they said, this guy invited us and he goes to our church. And he said, this is my fifth time to come to the Men of Ireland. He said, we would never miss it. We love it. And you know what I realized? Those four guys love Jesus as much as I do. They just show it a little different. But who are we to butcher other Christians? Who are we to think we got all the answers? We know how to do everything. And we got to celebrate the body of Christ, the diversity. Thank you for that excitement. Kind of fired up about that, Pastor, a little bit. So again, they send Peter and John. Now remember, Peter and John are two of the original apostles who waited for the promise of the Holy Spirit like Jesus said. Verse 15, who when they had come down, Peter and John, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Wait, 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 stop, time out. I thought all you need to do was be saved and I thought all you need to do is be born again and that's it, that's all you ever need. Maybe not. And many times people will say, well, once you get saved and water baptized, that's all the Holy Spirit you'll ever need. Maybe not. Now again, open your eyes to the scripture today. Let the word of God teach you. The very first thing they did when they came down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So was there more to what they needed? Was there a deeper experience? Remember, these are the guys who had hung out with Jesus. These were the original guys who got filled with the Holy Spirit. And so evidently there's something here that they said, man, they gotta have the Holy Spirit. They gotta have power to live a supernatural life. They need more. Verse 16. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they're, they're saved. And they're water baptized. Now when I read that, within the church, we all say, yeah, praise the Lord. Woo, praise the Lord, they're getting saved. Praise the Lord, they're getting water baptized. But when it comes to talking and preaching and speaking and teaching about the Holy Spirit, why do we shut down? Why do we act like this part of the Bible needs to be tore out? We, we need to get some white out and mark that out of our Bible because he says here in verse 17, then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. 
So for the apostles, the Holy Spirit's fullness, it, it was no small matter. They knew they were going to have to be equipped with the Holy Spirit. So why do we shy off from this? Why do we back away from it? This is right here in my Bible. There's a, a significant experience with the Holy Spirit that a lot of times we won't even teach anymore. And I heard a guy say, oh no, I'll never speak on the Holy Spirit in our church. And I said, why not? He said, it's controversial. <laughs> what Bible are you reading? Actually, if you want to talk about the Bible, everything in there is controversial. So we better stay with it. Acts chapter 9. Just turn a chapter. It's going to get really good right here, okay? Let me just say this before I go any further. Are you open to a adjustment in your theology? Are you open to it? Because... In my life, I, I've had to have some adjustments in my theology periods of time in my life where we were going this way and then you start reading the scripture and you're like, we're not even close to living by the scripture. We've done this and this and this and this and it's been several times in my life that I've said, Lord, I need a theology adjustment. Could we actually be wrong we're not biblically taught. So again, are, are you open to adjustment today? I'm open. I'm open. Okay, you're open. Chapter 9, verse 1. Then Saul, and some of you may say, who's Saul? Okay. Saul is the same Paul, okay? At this time in his life, he's Saul. It goes on to say, then Saul, still breathing threats and murders against who? against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. So Saul's breathing these angry threats and he's breathing murder against two, the disciples of the Lord. Now, when I read that, you know what I realized real quick? Saul, who's later Paul, he needs a theology adjustment. This guy named Saul, he's raised Pharisee. He's raised under some of the strictest Jewish laws and customs. So he's full of religion. You know what religion does? It hardens our heart. So he says here, I'm going to go after him. I'm going to breathe threats against them. Verse 2. And he asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, he, he's asking for a letter from the priest of the church in Damascus. And what does he ask for? So that if he found any who were of the way, and that means born-again Christians, whether men or women, that he might bring them bound to chains from heaven. Wow. This is religion. This is what religion does. When I think I know everything and I don't. So now I got to paraphrase just a little bit. So this guy named Saul's on his way to Damascus. He's, he's ready to kill, in, in prison, any of the followers the way he can find. 
And so on the way, this bright light shines on him and, and he says out of his mouth, Lord, who are you? And Jesus responds, it's me, Jesus, whom you're persecuting, pal. And, and so most believe this experience right here, this guy named Saul, he gets born again. So now we go back. The Old Testament prophet, Ezekiel, he knew people need to get born again. Then we jump into the, the New Testament. The Samaritans need to get born again. We see this guy named Simon the sorcerer. He gets born again. Now we see this religious dude. He needs to get born again. He gives his heart to Jesus, but he's got a little bit of a problem. He's blind. The light shone so brightly in his experience or his conversion. Now, I believe this with all my heart. Every one of us, our conversion of salvation may look totally different, okay? I know people who've gotten born again on their bedroom floor. I know people gotten born again in a person's Bible study with three or four people. If, you're, if your conversion with Jesus didn't look like the 4th of July, it's okay. Doesn't mean you didn't get saved. You got saved. Something happened. But Paul, he's blind. He hadn't eaten for three days. Verse number 12, same chapter. No, verse 10. Now, there was a certain disciple. He's born again at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord, on duty. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street, call straight, inquire the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for, for behold, he's praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm, evil, and suffering he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. So in essence, you know what's going on here? Ananias is saying, wait just a minute, Lord. Are, are you sure you want to send me to this guy's house? Lord, I, I don't know that you've noticed he kills people like me. He imprisons people like me. And so Ananias is like, are you sure, Lord? Now watch what the Lord responds to him. Verse 15. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel, an instrument or a tool of mine to bear my name. Do you know that's our number one assignment as Christians? We're to bear his name. We are to be witnesses of his name. Now, look real close to what the word of God says. He's bared his name to who? Before the Gentiles? That's us. It's every one of us in here. Kings and to even the children of Israel, the Jews. So when I look at this, Paul's purpose was to be a witness. Gentiles, the kings, the Jews, to everybody. I, I cannot ever lose sight of this right here. And so the Lord makes that real, real evident. This is what you got to do. And he says in verse 16, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Verse 17. 
Now, sometimes when we read that, we think, well, surely God doesn't mean that for the day we live in. But God's call to us is more of commitment than comfort. And I believe one of the ways we stay committed, you gotta have the Holy Spirit in you to keep you hot. Commitment instead of comfort. You know, I wonder how many people in the churches of America would show up to church on Sunday morning if in the winter we didn't have heat. And in the summer we didn't have AC. We really like comfort, us Americans. And I said us. I remember one summer I was down in Juarez speaking at one of the churches by the orphanage. There was probably 50 people there. It's June in downtown Juarez. You know what that means? It's H-O-T, hot. And I'm speaking. And I am sweating like Bishop T.D. Jakes. I am, I am sweating. I mean, I, I got a double dose of the leave me alone cologne on. I mean, I am, I am wrung out sweating. And the American me starts pouting. Whining. And then the goodness of God, I start looking at all those people that are listening to the word of God. And not one of them's complaining. And they're covered in sweat, and I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, help me. That I am so much into comfort that this bothers me. And you know what? I, I, I remember this so clearly. They were so honored that we would come and speak that they had ice cream and it was so hot that they would scoop that ice cream and before you could get it in your mouth, it's gone. It didn't melt all over you. It was that hot. But yet the Lord wants us to speak the gospel. He wants us to be committed. He wants us to go forward. Verse 17. And then Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, woo, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, Brother Saul. You know what? When we get born again, we become brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm your brother, whether you like it or not. I'm a brother. So if God is my father and you're my brother, why can't we bother to reach out and love one another? The love of God. I think we'd all be in agreement here. The Church of America and America is in need for brotherly love, incredibly. It doesn't start in the world, it starts right here. So he says, Brother Saul. Listen to this, listen, the Lord Jesus, woo the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came and sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now this is interesting to me. It's generally agreed that the apostle Paul was, was converted three days earlier. But the Lord Jesus says, Ananias, not only do I want him to see, I want him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. So now we look at maybe the greatest apostle of all time, the apostle Paul. 
he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know the Apostle Paul, he, he wrote the majority of the New Testament. Even if he just wrote one book of the New Testament, even if he just wrote one verse in the New Testament, that's more than me and you ever wrote. So I look at him and don't you think this guy, his theology would begin to be pretty sound? Yet he needed the Holy Spirit. Now real quick, turn with me to Acts 19. Acts 19. And we're gonna give you a little bit more of the word of God today just to highlight the, the, the Holy Spirit. So over and over when I begin to read, I, I see this pattern. You gotta be born again. Then you can be water baptized and then you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Born again, water baptized, Holy Spirit, born and I know, again, we don't have any problems with born again and being water baptized, but why do we shut down here with the Holy Spirit? Acts 19, verse 1. Now, it happened while Apollos, who was apostle, was at Corinth, the church in Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and he found some disciples, 12 of them. 12 of them that have been born again. They're disciples. They're born again. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Did you receive the Holy Spirit since you got born again? Now, it's interesting to me, the first thing he asked them. He didn't say, how's your mom? How's your dad? How's the church doing? He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you got born again? So do you think this is a vital question? I think it is. This is the Apostle Paul saying this. And he goes on to say, so they said to him, we've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Their knowledge of the Holy Spirit right here was defective. And so when they said, we hadn't even so much as heard is there the Holy Spirit. Were they going to the church that you used to go to? Because I realize a lot of times there's churches, we, don't, we won't even preach the Holy Spirit. And so can my knowledge of the Holy Spirit be defective? Absolutely. Absolutely. We need a theology adjustment again. Verse three. So he said to them, and what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. So what's John's baptism? Verse four. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized you with the baptism of repentance. Repent of your sin. And ask Jesus to come into your heart, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. So what do you see here immediately? They're, they're told you got to get born again. Got to repent of my sin and get born again. Nothing's changed. Verse five, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So what happens here is it's very apparent the Lord Jesus is greater than John the Baptist. And so they get re-water re baptized in the name of Jesus. Do you know this is the only place in the New Testament where I can find they were re-water baptized? Is that wrong? 
they did it right here. So here, here's my thinking on this. Maybe you got water baptized at a young age. Maybe you got water baptized as, an, as a little older adult, but you really didn't understand why that was happening. Could that have happened to you? I got water baptized as a third grader on Easter Sunday. Why? Because everybody said that's what you're supposed to do. I kind of viewed it as getting to go wade in the swimming pool a little bit. I didn't know any different. Get to get wet? Yeah, I kind of like getting wet. So I don't know how many years ago now. It's probably three or four years ago. Right here on our front lawn, I, I got water baptized right here. You did? Yeah, I did. I wanted to be significant. I wanted to be something that I, I got some understanding. I said, you know what I wanted? And so I, I let my wife water baptize you. Now, I don't recommend that. Because she baptized him and I went under and she got me right here and she kept me under and I started kicking and, her, and she kept me under and I kept hearing her saying, Jesus' name and Jesus' name and Jesus, Jesus' name. And when the bubbles quit coming up, she finally let, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's why I'll never forget that baptism right there. I thought I was going to die. Jesus, I'm coming to see you. My wife calls me. But he rewater baptizes them. They're born again. They're water baptized. Verse 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. There's a clear distinction here between water baptizing and receiving the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting to me. The apostle Paul knew they needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I cut a little bit of verse six off. I did that intentionally because at the end it said, they spoke with other tongues and they prophesied. And sometimes that freaks people out. You know why? Because they hadn't been taught. But what would happen if we would just pray the main thing that people would be filled with the Holy Spirit and they would get power? And then we'd leave it up to God to grace them with whatever gift he thinks they need. Because I can take you throughout the scriptures and that's my goal in the next few weeks to show you biblically some things on the manifestations that I believe a lot of times we need to be adjusted theologically on these areas to say, this is what the word of God says. Because when you talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit and you throw in there praying in other tongues, this has caused more dissension more church splits and more arguments than maybe any other topic in the entire Bible. And I grew up in a church the first 10 years, it put Barnum and Bailey Three Ring Circus to shame. It was like an insane asylum. People would just stand up and start preaching in tongues or speaking in tongues as loud as they could. Just study 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And if you'll study 1 Corinthians 14 in the message, it'll come alive to you. Oh my God, it was nuts. It was the original Holy Roller Church. People jumping pews and dancing around. And about 10, 15, every Sunday morning, Sister Bucketmouth, she'd take off running. Here she'd come. 
run around the church in the name of Jesus. And I think, I think, Lord Jesus, I can't invite any of my friends here. They'll think they've gone crazy. You know, the Apostle Paul said they'll, be, they'll, be bar, they'll think you're barbaric. Why do you think the Apostle Paul said everything must be done decently in order? And so think about this. When I'm running around the church and doing laps and praying in other tongues, you've become offensive. You've become offensive in the church. And I can't imagine what the Holy Spirit's thinking. He's like, I was never meant to cause offense. That's in a few weeks, okay? But what would happen if we stayed with the main thing? I need power. I need Holy Spirit power. I I, I need to be committed. I believe the, the strongest influence in my life to keep me on track has been the Holy Spirit. When I got born again, I've lived committed. It's almost shocking to me how God just moves within me. Remember in Matthew 3, verse 11, John the Baptist said, There one comes after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You know why you got to have fire? Because a lot of you are like me. I had a lot of crud that needed to be burned up. I'm not talking about a little bit. I'm, I'm talking about some deep stuff. And the Holy Spirit would just begin to burn with them and burn and burn and burn and burn all that crud off. And once he got all that crud off me, he began to purify me. And then you know what he said? I'm going to make you a vessel. I'm going to make you a tool, an instrument of righteousness for my namesake. And so I thank God I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't have a problem. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God within me is trying to make me holy just like His name. Why don't you stand up here today? And you got to come back in the next few weeks. Because we're going to teach on some of the things in here that I, I believe will help us as believers. I really do. But today. But today. Just like Philip preached Jesus to people. That's, that's my greatest heart's desire is to see people born again. To see people come. Come to the Lord. And again, the Lord doesn't care about your past. He knows. You may say, well, I'm kind of like Simon the sorcerer. Well, today's a new day. He loves you. Well, I feel like a Samaritan. That's okay, he loves you. So why don't you bow your head right there where you're at. And if you've never received Jesus as Lord of your life, this is the Holy Spirit working on you right now. This isn't me. I don't have that ability. He does. But do you need to give your heart to Jesus today? You can say, I, I need Jesus. Maybe you've turned from the Lord Jesus and you're thinking, and I need to rededicate today. It's okay. If that's you, I say we welcome you as a church. We welcome you. 
Maybe you got your sin letter jacket on. It's okay today. You can take it off and put on a new letter jacket. It says J-E-S-U-S on it. Is there anyone in here that you need to give your heart to Jesus today? Well, two things off of that. I'll take it that you're right with Jesus in your heart today. And the second thing, I'll take it. We need to get busy bringing some sinners in here, okay? We need to bring them in here. I'm telling you. All you got to do is tell them, come to church with him. This guy, he's crazy. He speaks, but he loves people. We'll see him get born again. I can't water baptize you today, okay? We don't have our pond filled up. And I don't believe in sprinkling. I believe in immersing, okay? The word baptism means you got to go under. We water baptize once a month. But do you need the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you need the baptism? I I need power. I I need power today. I I need the power of the Holy Spirit to help me to stay on track. I need the power of the Holy Spirit today to keep me committed. And so as our team gets ready to sing here, I I welcome you here. Maybe you need a fresh anointing. I I need a fresh anointing. You know the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 5.18, he said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it literally means to be filled again and again and again. You know why? We leak. We leak. We leak daily. I, I need a fresh filling. And I pray this, that you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And your response when you wake up every morning is, good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Go ahead, guys, sing. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.